The left wing back's coverage of the Carlo Hurling Championships for 2023 is brought to you in association with Talbot Fitness, Brendan Cabinet Furniture, Corcoran Precast Tanks, Milano's Takeaway Bagnestown, Connolly's Topline Hardware, PFT Travel, Ray Whelan Limited, Earth Spas, and the Arboretum Lachlan Bridge. Hello folks, welcome along to today's episode of the Left Wing Back podcast and it is the last hurling podcast of the year in terms of club championship action in Carlow which is mad, the whole thing is after flying and just at this moment we take the opportunity to say thank you to Brendan Cavanagh Furniture, Cork and Precast Tanks, The Arboretum, uh, Talbot Fitness, Railway Limited, Milano's Takeaway, Earth Spas, PFT Travel and Connie's Topline without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we love doing. So we were just having a little bit of a chat and obviously we covered the Junior Championship final at the weekend. There's commentary up on uh, Spotify and on Apple if you want to listen back to that. We did interviews with uh, Podge Ryan of Clavantony Gall and Frank Foley of Monaster Rangers yesterday. While we were on the commentary, we spoke about the Junior Shield and the Intermediate Final Saturday. So we're going to focus a bit heavier on the Senior Final on today's programme. We have a team of the year to pick and we have a horror of the year to pick all that on the way, along with our esteemed colleagues, John Olin and Stevie Bamrick. Welcome along once more, guys. Well, Kevin. Guys, I don't know about G, but I, I didn't sleep wonderful last night um, over this team here. <laughs> Unanimous? <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of talk points, but all right, Kevin. Um, a lot of, uh, which is a good sign, a lot of big decisions, uh, a lot of hard decisions. Um so, yeah, there was a good bit of uh, to and fro about it, Larry, Furness. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll come to that at the very end as Stevie tries to find a suitable standing place for his... Uh, yeah, I was grand there till, till uh, I think we could sponsor this program could be sponsored by Whelan, Whelan's Breakyard above in the heat if my car gets going today. <laughs> it's looking good, though, Stevie. Looking good, Furness. Um, every, everything is always good until something uh, hits itself in the car. But anyway... We have clips and different things to go through. I want to say thanks to Brendan Joyce for giving us access to some of the, the video as well. And I think, I suppose, the first thing maybe we'll do is look at the goals and the part they played in, in the game. We always say goals in matches and stuff. So this is the first one. Uh, Dean Tobin latches on to a break. And for me in this situation, I said at the time... Can't see it out of shot. He's just over to the right hand side. Eddie Byrne is there. I'm thinking to Dean Tobin. Jesus, give it to him. Jesus, give it to him. He gets hooked. It breaks kindly to him and he puts it into the back of the net. And just before I wind on to the next one, when I was talking to Frank Foley yesterday, lads, I was saying, you know, as well as you forcing the issue and things going right, uh, from that point of view, you've been on your game, the work rate and the intensity. You need that little bit of luck. And I felt in some of these moments in the goals, it's, it's just the indication of the little bit of luck you need on top of that. So the ball breaking back into the path of Dean Tobin, when he probably should have given it to, to Eddie Byrne, still works out, ball in the back of the net. We'll come on to the second one now, and we'll get your thoughts after three, is probably the handiest way of doing it, lads, but line ball from Kevin Mack, I think, Donna Murphy, onto it, this man, John Nolan, gets the head up, plays a lovely ball over across to his brother, Chris, 
Michael Walsh loses the footing. Chris tears down on goal. And again, you can't actually see Eddie Bernard on thinking shot. Well, actually, there you just see him in the corner coming in. He'd be saying, I, could, I wonder should Chris have given that to him. But look, it didn't matter. Kevin Keogh gets a hurl to it. Ball ends up in the back of the net. Uh, next thing, actually, to, to remark upon, it gives us an opportunity. Frank Foley's pokeouts in the early stages and how much they kind of um, had an influence on the game. He knew, admittedly, that he couldn't go along from the get-go. They got the few short ones off. They gave him a full hole in the game. They got scores from it. And um, on this occasion, he's forced to go along. And Jack Kavanagh goes up. And this is what I was saying. Like, you know, another day, Jack Kavanagh goes up and gets that flick, which he does here. It falls into the path of uh, Paddy O'Shea or if Paddy O'Keo is in the area or whoever it is. Uh, but right here, it doesn't. And Figure Fitzpatrick reads it and tears off. He sniffs the opportunity. In fairness, this is the right decision. Goes across to Chris Nolan. Uh, Chris takes a big hit off Paul Lyle. That doesn't really do it justice. Uh, Kevin Keogh probably just panics for a moment. Comes out to Figure Fitzpatrick. Bang. Back in the net. So there were the, true, uh, the three crucial goals. And guys, um, any thoughts on anything? Well, we were saying over the, I said last week about Eddie Bourne getting two goals, possibly in all teams that could happen. He could have had three goals the first half. He hit a crossbar, he caught one, and the boys look at he, he But then again, being a forward and not getting on the score sheet, which he didn't, but just, you wouldn't be leaving him idle either, you know, you'd be, you'd be kind of yeah. saying they're all pretty sucked over like much for fire to, to the lad with the ball and it's to get that balance right when do you go when is the last split decision you have to go and leave a one-on-one where Kevin Kjolls come out or Frank Foley's other end and like the, the goals we would have said a Joe said in his article there like they got, the goals came from like Dean Tobin wouldn't be not goal scorer he's pretty I think he had maybe won 12 or 15 points before the the, the game sat Sunday Faker wouldn't Faker's work rate like it's just that's beyond comparison with anyone uh, his age coming up he's been absolutely outstanding but he wouldn't be you wouldn't be looking at the paper chose or wins and seeing three or four points beside it so they were bonus territories in where they came from you weren't taking from Chris getting his 1-6 or 1-9 or whatever he got John Guy's couple of points Donna Murphy hit three points you know it was a, he got the first point was it the first point of the game he got I think like I meant he was into it you know so for Rangers, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah all the players in their first county final in the game after 20 minutes nearly. You know, they had the ball in their hand, probably a score on the board if they're up in the forwards. And, you know, but the goals, like the, the, the second and third goals came one after the other and that, that pushed a the gap there that, you know, some ones had, they not said that they had the, the quandary, do we stay tapping all the points? Do we go start going for goals? You know, or, you know, I always go back to the, the, the Division 1 playoff above him. Tullamore with Carlo and Offley today, and like we were what, 10 or 11 points down in half time, or whatever it was, well, down to 40 men, had a gale force win, we got two goals in the first five minutes, second half, that that stopped the need for goals then, so we could tap over the points that day, you know, so, it, um, yeah, look, at the, the, I was I was up in the stand now, and I've been over a lot of county finals in the middle of the same, one supporters all that end, so it was, it was very different to, the same vocality or vocal just from the most Leinster point of view because the same ones probably wouldn't be many of them in the stand and geez, they nearly lift the roof off the two goals like they were you know it was just the, the second and third goals especially mm-hmm. I think it was, I know, it, Go on Joe No I think the goals kind of showed um, 
couple of little things maybe about um well on both sides maybe i suppose they showed that kind of that high tempo uh, nature the way um only stranger started the game i mean if you look at him there say fikra could have on another day tapped that ball over the bar coming through you know what i mean he plays a pass inside they were actively actively going for goals in in um yeah, Joe, sorry, Joe. Actually, I was right. When he did get the ball, he stopped up for a split second from yeah. where we were in the stand. And you could see he visually looked over and bang. He said, here, we're going for this here. Yeah. And I think you know, I think I don't that, think I think I that don't was think Eddie caught the ball. Was it Eddie? Who did he hit or Chris, was it? Uh, for the chance there, for the goal, Chris took the yeah. shot and it came back out to yeah. figure. Yeah. But there was another yeah. one that he switched across to Eddie Bourne on the edge of the yeah. square when he had a handy point. He yeah. spotted him over, and that was again a signal of intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was a big thing. Number one, that uh, you know they weren't content with points. You know, even when Chris turns um, with the Welsh, you know, he's over 45 yards out, and he's only one thing in mind from there on. He doesn't just steady himself and lash it over the bar, like he keeps going and going and going. And like you said, if he didn't score, he had an option inside. But I suppose it also showed you how they were creating space. Um, well, two things. They were prepared to run, run it, turn the St. Mullins defence. That would seem to be a play all day uh, to run. But also, if you look at the space as well, uh, especially for for Chris's goal, um, you know, there was no one coming across the cover. Um, and I thought, in fairness to someone we didn't really mention, uh, maybe as much or didn't really mention maybe as much during the match as well, I thought Ted Joyce's role in, in, in how he orchestrated things from in that half-forward line helped create some of that space by drawing out the St. Mullins um, half-back line, especially, say, Paddy in the middle or wherever else. So I, I think their positional play as well was excellent, Rangers, and how they set up. They, they drew out that, that St. Mullins half-back line, lots of space inside. They knew then if their runners in the half-forward line got a ball, they could turn and go as well because they were running into space or the ball over the top. Uh, into a full forward line that space as well. So I thought the goals were kind of indicative of, of a lot of the, the play on the day and maybe the, the setups as well uh, on the day for, for both teams as well, you know. But um yeah, but you're right there, Kevin, in what you said too. You need you need the little bits of luck or the little bits of whatever you call it. I know they say create your own luck. Um but you need those things to go right. Like you said, Dean Tobin gets hooked, you know, that, that ball falls a yard either side of him and it's a rook or whatever else you know st stuff like that stuff like that can happen and when it's your day you 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 uh you get those little bits to get you across the line but um there were three <laughs> excuse me there were three key goals um you know and look when you i suppose the first one i think when when we were talking kevin as well i think i put them one three to a point up if I'm right in thinking, and really from there, from from then on, you thought it was going to be a massive ask for um for for Saint Mullins to get back into the game, just with the tempo of the game, the way um the way um, Mullins Rangers had started. You know, it looked like a, it looked like even from that stage early on, um, it looked like that their you know that their 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 dander was up for the game. You know. Mm -hmm. I asked Frank yesterday, guys, about the the whole thing of space and and drawing out the. Uh, the same one as half-back line. He said it was an active play. Obviously, it didn't happen by accident, which we all kind of knew was probably the case. But I asked him if it was the other way around, what what would he have done? You know, if same one had tried to do that to them. And he said he'd have one body at least anyway. He'd have to have one body sitting back a little bit further to try and cut out the space. Now, look, um, you know, it, it, it can also be a case where there's one body there and you can bypass it quite easily. As we've seen with St. Wallace two years ago, 
Stevie and Joe when when O'Sheen Bowling sat back there and they still found a way around it. Rangers did so. Like I just think sometimes when it's your day and when you're hurling that well, you'll find a way to win regardless of what happens, you know. And you know we were saying it, lads. When when you do commit the bodies out there to that middle sector and you know that the space behind you, you just have to win that battle. If not, you are under serious pressure, you know. So look in terms of the goal chances then, and we were talking about Rangers' intent and that's what. What they felt they needed to do to establish a foothold and put the squeeze on St Mullins. Then we can look at it from the other point of view and we can look at St Mullins and they went for a goal. I think I counted six or seven times where they were heading for a goal and looking for it. And I've only actually got one example here now to illustrate. And I admit it's probably not the greatest example in the world, but this is coming down the stretch in the game. So again, ball comes down off the post, you know, in fairness, I think Bowling is in there trying to orchestrate something again. But look at the bodies back for Rangers. Just look at the bodies back. And when they get position, they don't panic in working it out, right? So Kevin Martin, a better man to have in that situation, finds John Nolan, that man again, and John Nolan sends it all the way down the field, right? That's just one simple example of it. But there was, I think, yeah, I think there was six or seven of those that I cut. Then they kind of went away on me and I wasn't arse cutting them again. Sorry, lads. But anyway, uh, it was enough to illustrate. And then you think back, if you go and take the six or seven points, what sort of a game are you in? Like, it's, you know, it's easy to say that with the benefit of hindsight, I guess. But I mean, it's something that was remarked upon and possibly could have came back to hindsight once. Is that harsh, lads? Well, Paddy Bowen had maybe, I'd say, three goal chances over the game, but Rangers kept him over onto his other side. No, the dog thinks it's harsh, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's... that's that's the standards here. We don't accept that. And this, like, you know, still fresh in memory. The crop Park, John McDonough, Paddy catches the ball, the right hand, Torrance hits it off. That's it. I thought Rangers kind of kept him right. Okay, he's going to get chances, but they kept him over to the side, come on to the other side, and shoot from there. And this is. And then a clatter lads from in behind, like they were putting bodies in the line. Like they were born as full back. And you know, you'd say, Did he hit the ball in the whole game? Didn't hit too often. But they were going around him. They weren't going in lobbing in high balls and they were hoping for something to happen. They had to try and work it around the we'll say the edge of the D and that to, to get goal chances. As you say, should have tapped over a few more points probably, but like they were we're back to two points there, one five to six from one four to one in the first half and then like two scores later or three scores later it's gone to three seven to six points you know the the, the gap is there nowhere points are, are are going to have to be taken for you know every chance has to be taken but it was what i think they go 10 wides a piece in the game but they modest rangers know at this stage that seven that seven players scored from play in the first half you know so um and they were all from midfield up so that meant any ball went into the rangers Forward lane, your man was generally on his game at that stage. So, her Simons had Conor Kyo hadn't got into it much. I think he got one point the first half. James Dale got a point the first half, you know. So, it was more the Rangers lads in the game, felt the way of the ball than Simons had. And then you're going in with a seven or eight point <coughs> deficit as well, which was probably a good breeze, all right. But, hmm. you know, breeze don't win the but game it, for you. But I think, I, th- I think if you look at the, at the Simons kind of, we'll call them goal chances or chances that they went. I think that clip is kind of indicative of it. Like there was never a that I can remember, like a a kind of a one on one or the space that that Rangers created yeah. for their goal chances, like very compressed, very tight. 
um, you know, it was going to take something special to get a goal from from those chances because of the bodies there. Even in that clip there, he mentioned German. You look at his position in there; he never gets drawn outside the the box. If you get me, do you know what I mean? So mm. his his default position there is is uh, is if you look at it here, look his default. Well, that's back, back, back to what Frank said earlier. There, what he said to Kevin in the interview, I didn't see that. Like you know, that, even in that situation, okay, that's a no-brainer. You have to have the fullback has to be in front of the goalie there, but that's. Mm. These are things that you do by habit. You know, you don't... Yeah. Frank has to be shouting at him or, or, yeah. or Kevin Kevin to fire into Paul Dale. These are things, the relationships between fullback and goalies that have to be... They have to be cast iron, like. Have to but, be, even, but even their six-backs, no, Steve, their six-backs yeah. were, so, were so compressed. You know what I mean? They weren't... They were always in a position to be able to defend the ball in like that because they weren't turning... And going back towards their own goal as well. Like I'm just saying, like in terms of Dermot, he never left that D, he never got pulled out. Mm. But their six backs were always in proximity of their own goal, so that even if they were turned, they had less distance to get back. Do you know what I mean? They were they were, they were so yeah. like I, I can't remember the, the Rangers half back line being pulled at all up the pitch or or anything from their default position. They they held their ground. And it meant, like I said, if they were beaten in a position, then there was bodies back there at all times. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I thought that was that was very key. Like you know what I mean? They, they never coughed up that that big space that maybe those St Mullins forwards might have needed to get the to get the real goal chances. If you get me, bang on, Joe. And like uh, Richie Cody in particular, two or three times came across for uh, different efforts. I know a couple with, with Boland perhaps, and um, yeah, like just just that that I suppose that uh, awareness of getting the second body across like at the right time. To snuff it out, and uh, as Stevie said, force ball and maybe onto his left. Different things like that they were just, just fantastic. At it has to be said, but like guys, um, I know in years gone by, the members of the media used to get a vote from out of the match. I got no vote to it anyway. I don't think you did either, so and I don't think Stevie did, right? But uh, Chris Nolan was given man of the match, and there's a fair case to be made for Chris Nolan getting it. Uh, but my own personal opinion his brother should have got it. John, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And I'm going to illustrate why, right? So I think this is about a minute and 50. I could have easily made three minutes out of this. He was that good that are there. And good in, in a variety of different things, right? And again, this is another example of Frank's pokeouts and the importance that they played. This is literally one of the early ones. So John comes from midfield to take this poke out. Again, even though he's pressurised a little bit initially, he gets the head up, gets the ball in around the house. Uh, Federer's probably unlucky here not to get something actually uh, Kevin Mackling up very well with John Nolan it must be said look at that for a little flick pass but again you know on receipt of it John you know gets the, gets a little look first before he delivers and again it's in around the house you know and uh, a little bit of danger he was just the winner for Ian actually he was phenomenal the ground he covered you know getting back and helping out at six there while keeping an eye on James Dyle which is the most important thing um, coming into the game, he was a foreign player along with Kevin McDonald on the Rangers side. So he, he identified that, like, and you know, he was just he was just incredible. I, I can't really find the words to illustrate how good the guy was. I think you said a, a big thing there, Kevin. Um, and, and for me, it was a big thing. Like you mentioned there, the influence that James Dale had had all year, and he, he has had a wonderful championship, James Dale. And I suppose Rangers had to come up with a play because he was always going to be key to the St. Mullins. Um, set up and you look at Dial, you look at how, what Nolan like they said look rather than working systems or working getting bodies in they gave John Nolan one job to do and that was nullify James Dial. do you know what I mean mm. and it takes a big man to do that and, and not only to nullify him but to play such an important part of his own game as well so 
yeah, an incredible display by him. Yeah, and look, even here with this score, which I didn't actually remark on just yet, like Eamon O'Shea does everything right, goes up, goes to the clouds, and John never takes his eye off the ball. And that's how the ball breaks loose. He just puts in the hand like that, and yeah. bang. Like, that's a quality point. That is absolute quality from this guy. And he's done it in Crow Park. We've seen that as well. I think this here now is what sums up the whole performance. This is unbelievable. So the catch from James Dyle, yeah. Well, straight away, lads, I've never seen this. Two blocks in a couple of seconds. That is just relentless stuff and a willingness to just not say that, you know, not to take no for an answer. Like, I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I've no more words. I've no more words unless you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to find out where John Owens getting the hurdles because how does he have to take two blocks like that and it's not in, in John Owens' boat of the car after I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not like some of them yokes who would drop up to me. Huh? Would have been gone there. Like that catch is outstanding from James Dyle as well, just to add. You know, yeah. the, the, skill, the skill in that clip, lads, for a variety of different things. The catch, you know, the agility, the block, and then... And I tell you, Kevin, as well, I tell you as well, apart from the hurling end of things, um, the physicality he brought as well, I mean, look, and the level of... Look, obviously, he's a very fit, you know, a man because of you know county hurling, etc., etc., and with his club. But like we know, the levels of fitness that James Style has, and his pace and his power, and to stick to to, to do the job in every sense, if you get me, uh, was incredible. Yeah, an incredible display. And uh, like I think, in first, Paul Brain got a, they got a lot of their matchups right, and they got their, a lot of their game plan right. Um, like we said about their creating their creating the space for their inside line, sitting back, you know, their their matchups, like I said, that was a very key one. Because at first, like we said, James Dyle had set the tempo for St. Mullins this year in every game. You know, he scored a, I think it was a two or three games, he scored the first point of the game, you know, he's leading like a captain. And in fairness, the Rangers, they hammered the hammer. You know what I mean? They went that where or where St. Mullins were strong and, and looked to not only nullify but to, to push forward off that as well. Um, so it was an incredible display. Yeah, it was as good as as good as we've ever seen in a county final. And in a sense, I suppose Joe asking him to maybe sacrifice his game somewhat. And I suppose he's versatile. Like he's played wing back last year, which probably has to be an advantage when it comes to doing a job like that. But he's also put on clinics in near the goal. So in a way, I mean, you can ask this man to do anything, you know, yeah. and and he deliver it for you. You know, his versatility is unbelievable. Again, here, you know, sees the danger. And the thing that I loved about this Stevie and Joe, right? Just look at, you know, you'd be saying lads don't slow down, but the right thing to do here was to slow down and time the hook, the timing of the hook. So the awareness to see that Mouse Cavanagh is a threat. I need to get back here. Even though he's not marking him, he's like, right, I need to get back here. Right? Just wait. He just pauses. I guess the hook. In the boys go, and Sean Joyce completes the clearance. Yeah. You know, again, this and this here, like, sure, this sums it all up. This is the last score. Head up, over to Chris. And this is more about the score now, I suppose, than, than even John's little pass. But that's but to me, to me, yeah, <laughs> and to me, to us, which, uh, and I and I mentioned it in the article there. To me, um, that summed up that little bit there with that cameo from Chris uh, punching to the crowd. Um, I know every county final means a lot to any anyone who wins it. Even say there was lads there picking up their eleventh victory, but. There was something special in that one for for them. I think there was something special in it for them. They, it felt something somewhere special. Um, maybe they felt that you know, maybe things hadn't 
hadn't been going to plan or maybe there wasn't enough talk about them or they felt disrespected or whatever else, you know, that's that's their own thing, whatever they feel. But when you saw Chris doing that, you know, that, you know, it wasn't kind of a case of going through the motions or anything for these lads or that we've done it before and it's going to, it, it was something special for them. Um, and I think that that was kind of evident from from minute one, though, the, 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 the game and the energy they brought to it, that they were, you know, the, the, I won't say call it fired up, whatever you want to call it, but it had all those things and it had certainly special meaning. But, um, yeah, um, but uh, it's, it's uh, I suppose it's, uh, what do you call it? It's uh, it's one maybe Sam Mullins might look back on and maybe feel, you know, would they have changed some stuff themselves? Maybe, you know, like we said, we thought that maybe went overly man-to-man, maybe would have been better off in market space and trying to let Rangers try and hit them from, you know, hit them from deep from points uh, and not to cough up those goal chances. But I suppose, look, hindsight is great and, and uh, I suppose we have the ability to look back, but you don't get the chance to do it there on Sunday, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much so. From a Sam Mullins point of view, um, Jack Havner thought hurled an awful lot of ball. I think he can wear a great credit. The thing about, like, Paul Dyke went an awful lot of ball, even though Chris yeah. got whatever he got. You know, and I know Paul, he went across onto him for a little while, but Paul still came out with an awful lot of ball. Uh, John Dorn had a tremendous battle with Eddie Byrne. You know, like, yeah. and at times, everyone's going to struggle against Eddie Byrne, right? But, you know, even to, to try to get the ball to break. We were talking about this the other day, Joe. The thing with Eddie is that that ball has to go down the throat now. That's the stage he's at. When it does go down the throat, he's catching it or it's breaking in front and it's sticking. There's danger there. like. And um, what do you call it? I sent a message the other day just to say, well done. And uh, his reply was, uh, thanks or whatever. And he knows Paddy Crook's on 15. I was like, lad, you, you surely get there. Yeah, you stick around, you stick around. He goes, I don't, know, I don't know what's left in the legs or whatever. But... Um, for that to happen, obviously, requires an awful lot of work, and he's been some servant. Like he won his first medal as an under sixteen. The rule had come in the year after, so he was under sixteen. I think subkeeper, and to come with eleven medals, I think it's himself, Richie Cody, Richie Kelly, and David Phelan. Am I leaving someone out? For Rangers, was there? Yeah, that's a fair haul, Jenny McIntyre, and Paddy Quirk's fifteen. You were saying, Stevie, um, Peter mentioned Paddy Quirk is fifteen. Mickey Nolan is fifteen. Ned Cavanagh's 13, Noel Smithers, Noel Minchin and Peter Keighley from Sam Mullins have 11 each. But like, in our time, like, uh, you know, Paddy Quirk won, they won the first one in 74, I think, like, or 75. And, you know, 15 was mental, absolute, off the chart figures. And here you have four or five man 11 here at the moment. Like, it's from coming from zero after losing, like, but, Let's don't forget that like the likes of Eddie Bourne, Pat Hickey, Mick Murphy, Tom Foley, these lads played in three, four county finals, Tara Kelly with Ballamurphy, didn't go over the line, but favourites and some of them just didn't go over the line. And you know, I can remember because my aunt was married to Paul Foley, the uh Tom's brother was actually talking to Tom there before the match and uh met my half time as well, Frank's father, gas character. And uh like Danny played in the goal in a couple of finals I was talking Danny actually paused for owner about a couple of the finals that they lost and he said sure Jez there's always always something happened like you know on the day that you know freaking turned the whole yoke and you know just wanted to be and, and you know to be there and over there and Frank to come back in as well like Jesus Christ like he gave a as you say Kevin a clinic a sharp hook outs there like and I know Dean Grennan you can see Dean Grennan when you see Frank now looking at him you can see where Dean Grennan's style of play comes as well 
you know, there's a once I mini me, but it's you know, there, there were you know, it was kind of a close to come back to Dublin this year, big help. Like Frank come back there, you know, experience alone, they can call a lot down the spars there. Probably one puck out maybe the first half got away with but one puck out over the last five games that, that went wrong. But saves, he made a save in the second half on his other side, was going low and he got, got the hurl, got it up and away. And, you know, you know, just that's the thing. Like, at the moment, they're, they're on 11 and just they'll, they'll push on. Like, they'll get to 15 and they'll get to 20 and whatever. But, uh, you know, the, the thing... Uh, that Mike team won six, I think, in a row, or five or six in a row. And that team then was only, it was Sam Mullins were losing two or three fines in a row at home. They kept, kept coming back. So I'm guessing Peter Cayley was back in the 60s or that, or the 70s before our time anyway. Um, so like, just an awesome mental moment about this. Like, it's just, but it all happened by accident. You know, it's just, you know, yeah. it's just outrageous. Steve, yeah. the, it happened again the other day with uh, the mad statistic coming into the head in the car. Which it always does, and um, I still didn't finalize this stat, but a 75 to 80 percent of the time the outsiders won the county final. Now, I couldn't see Rangers two to one outsiders, I just I couldn't see it. I had a feeling they might pull the rope, but two to one was just a massive price altogether and a crazy price in that sort of a game, you know. So, in the future, I suppose, Carl Hornet finals, keep an eye on them, lads, anyone that's outside the county. <laughs> but, um, like for St. Mullins, it's mad, like they were so good in six out of seven games, and even like had patches in that seven game, which is obviously the county final, and come away with nothing. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's mad, you know, the season that they have had, and they probably shouldn't, we probably shouldn't go without remarking on, on some of that because we're probably talking about James Dyle as a hurler of the year if St. Mullins win, you know. Um, but anyway, we will go yeah. for a hurler of the year, it's probably a good yeah. segue. Just on that, Kevin, um, and I hope you, you won't make me at, you won't make me saying this. Nothing to do with his influence on the game, ranting. But I was talking to Patrick Murphy in Ferns Assault, and he refereed the the game between uh, Saint Mullins and and Rangers, and I was talking to him at the Camogie match on Sunday morning, and he was quietly confident that that Rangers were going to produce something. Um, he saw he saw them obviously from a refereeing point of view. And thought that uh, you know Rangers got what they wanted to get out of the game after 45, 50 minutes, and were happy enough. If you get me in the in the meeting in the league game, from his kind yeah. of reading on the play, so you know, um, yeah, look, it, it, it is. It, it's a. Uh, it was two to one is a huge price in the county final, given the pedigree of both sets of players. Um, I suppose in recent years we can say that kind of. Well, if the Rangers did a did a St. Mullins on it in some ways because you know they've turned them over a few times and um and they kind of timed their run like in fairness to Mullins to Rangers and we talked about it early on the year um and I and uh, by the way I don't I don't I don't buy into this stuff of uh, lads questioned our character and stuff like that you, your your character is your character but what you do in the hurling pitch is different but we maybe were questioning their their hurling in terms of where they were at they were kind of maybe not where at the tempo or at the level that we maybe would have associated with them uh, for other years and we talked about injuries and players coming back and th- those had an influence on things but they certainly timed their they timed their run and timed their hurling um perfectly um but um yeah i suppose like you said there you know g- given uh, another another result um you know we could be talking about a different end of things but that's the beauty of sport i suppose you know 
Mm-hmm. You reckon, Joe, you have a 100% record of predicting county finals, but they just have to be wrong or something. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I suppose, I, I, in fairness, I have to say, I didn't I didn't get to predict this county final. I predicted the winner from, from the start of the year. I said, I, I go with St. Mullins. Um, yeah. I just thought they were... I actually didn't think they'd hurl as well in the group stages as they did. You know what I mean? I thought, but I predicted them from, from early doors. But I look, I mean, so close to college. I mean, look, Hook of a ball last year, and we had them bet in a semi final. And you know, that's the Jays of sports, so it's it's sport after all. And look, there's so many variables like that's it, that's the that's the beauty of it, you know, absolutely. And we love it, we absolutely love, we love it. it. Um, right, team of the year, okay, yeah, headaches, headaches, headaches. Okay, so we went with Brian Tracy and goal. Now, if I, so I suppose if we start going on about guys that narrowly missed out, we'll be here for about three weeks because. Goalkeeper was such a difficult one. Um, we all know who the other goalkeepers were, but in the end, we went with Brian, and I think largely, I suppose, you know, it wasn't just down to it wasn't just down to saves or whatever, because some of the other keepers, Thomas Allen in particular, made a mad amount of of great saves. Uh, Brian's puckouts, the organisation, um, long range frees and stuff like that. Just that that steadiness and conceded very few goals as well as it happened. So we went for him in the. In the goal, full of back line. Um, he played every game for Rangers. Sean Joyce, um, you know, yeah, yeah. I suppose in terms of maybe consolidating the position, um, mm. you know, like out out of three that started there in the first couple of rounds, he was the only one to survive the whole the whole championship and you know held his place under serious pressure. Um, and you know, very 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 steady all year. I thought for a for a chap there at two, um, Dion Wall at three. Again, he was the worst steady, you know, didn't put a foot wrong. Um, any any task that came in, he dealt with it, you know, very, very manly, very, very fairly, tough player in the edge of the square. Um, Paul Dyle in the other corner. Uh, yes, under a bit of pressure the other day, but still come out with a world of ball and throughout the championship was very, very solid. Do you want to hit the half back line, Joe? Uh, I can't remember them. I think it's number six anyway. I think it's those, uh, uh, it was probably the easiest decision of the year. Um, Kevin McDonald, mm. um, simply outstanding, um, just incredibly steady every game, uh, incredibly steady. Um, so that was a no brainer then. Um, on the wings, then we had, uh, you may, yeah, we Dwayne Cavanagh and Jack Cavanagh. Yeah, Dwayne and Jack, yeah. Um, we talk, Again, we talk about influence. We, we kind of looked at it in terms of influence on your team and, and performances in the championship. And we thought Jack was steady throughout. Jack hurled there and hurled midfield. And he got two points, if I'm right, on Sunday. Um, which was so consistent all year um, uh, in both club and county. Uh, Dwayne then, um, probably uh, Michael's top uh, outfield player, uh, excellent for them in in every game, uh, be it with you know in, in, from play organisation, defensively, offensively even as well. Um, so yeah, we, we we went with Dwayne then on the other side. Mm-hmm. So middle of the field, Figure for Patrick and James Dyle. Now Figure for Patrick could have went to wing back, and Jack Cavanagh could have went to midfield because they both kind of played at different stages in around that sort of territory, but. Uh, uh, James Dial, I, I love the word on James Dial. It's a fairly handy one. You know, we said it already. He was going to be player of the year, probably if Rangers or if St. Mullins had a one the other day against Rangers. Um, phenomenal. The influence, the power, the pace, everything 
And when you talk about John Nolan's influence the other day, I mean, it's a fair indictment on James Doyle that we talk about John Nolan in that sense for that reason. I mean, I think that says it all. Um, you say it best when you, when you say not the cause, the fellow said. Steve, you're a big Fig Fitzpatrick fan. You always were. Um, you have been here beside uh, James Dial. Uh, we were going to put me in any of it. I know you are a big, big fan of Fig Fitzpatrick. Tell us why. Yeah, just like I said, three years three year ago, we played in Law and Lachlan in, in, in the Super Bowl against them. And like, I think Joe could be backing up on this. If he didn't make the county minor squad. I think it was a Celtic challenge. He would have. Got game team through that, and um, like he, he's, and I can't remember exactly which game this was. Now I won the games earlier on the year this in Carl, and I can't remember which, but his runs and I know under twenty one or under twenty football final last year as well. Like he makes them runs in the middle third, and nearly always gives the right option. You know he he um, the other day poor goal to his name. You know he wouldn't be allowed to, as I said to pick up the pack and you see. A class or a score if you say them, but to be a quite a work rate. And um his head you know, well. he, he, uh, his head, like he's never panicked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Head up, he's a, the most heads up holder you could actually see. And um, you know, he he, he creates so much room and uh, that, that that athleticism he has going forward gives a gives a platform for the, the, the six forwards in front of him to you know to, to know the right ball is going to come if I make the right move if it's Chris Nolan and Donald Murphy, whoever it is, one of us is going to get the ball. That's that's a given. So, um, just another young lad that actually doesn't not have to do the team of the year, but Tim Brennan came on the other day and actually just know when the subs were coming on. Um, when um, O'Brien uh, called him down, he nearly took about two steps to get down over the stand, had the bib off, he was throwing off the bib going onto the field, and I'd say 10 seconds left, the ball handed into his hand. And put over the bar, and actually, Paul O'Brien actually said in the interview after that's why he said to Tim, "You're not playing because they're not getting enough scores." Well, just see, you know, the okay that where he possibly his first score of the year, I think, could have been. He said, "I'm not sure," but uh, you know, I'm going away from Fake for fast. But he's Tim, a good young chap as well, like, and, and uh, yeah, we're back to Fake for like, you know, he just you know work great and doing the right thing most of the time. You know, it's a the might be boxes should be taken all the time, but everyone doesn't do that. Yeah, for sure. I knew there was a stat I was missing on Brian Tracy. Three clean sheets out of the five games he played. That's that was the one I was looking for there. Just found the page in front of me. But anyway, uh, the half forward line, Mouse Kavanagh, John Nolan, Dean Tobin. Mouse shirt, you know. What can we say? Nothing. <laughs> really. We said it all already. You know. Uh John Nolan. Once he came back into that Rangers side, he was such a difference to them in, in the championship. Dean Tobin, like, Dean Tobin, one sixteen all from play in the championship. Again, goes about his business, gets onto a lot of ball, picks off a few scores every game. Um, You know, he's in there, he's in there 12. So, full forward line then, Chris Nolan again, for obvious reasons. Craig Dial, I mean, 35 or 6 years of age to stay doing what he's doing. Uh, and no, it's not a case that we have him there for, for just hitting freeze over the bar. He's winning a lot of freeze himself. He's setting up scores. He's he's all around play. Was uh, was worthy of uh, was worthy of inclusion. Now we have a bit of a headache here because we hadn't actually fully settled on on fifteen. So we're going to settle on this live on air. We're going to settle yeah, on this live on air, right? Because we have Kieran Kavanagh, who's so consistent the whole year. And it's Jake Dial who scored, I think, 6-8 in the championship, right? 
so here's the casting vote. <laughs> By your nose, I, I I think when you have a goal machine like that, uh, it's it's hard it's hard to ignore in the general context of it. I also appreciate what Kieran Cavan has done throughout the championship. I'm going to go with Jake Dial, Stevie. Uh, I have no answer for phone call. This this has to change. This must be a fucking plot, is it? I asked the phone call about 42 minutes ago. I didn't know this was coming up. Take off that tinfoil hat before you answer that there. <laughs> um, it would be a plot if I had you select the I'm going to pick here on cabinet because Joe will have the cast and go out then. <laughs> right, Joe, it's all down to you, lad. Oh, Jesus. Um... I go. I. I am. Oh, Jesus, that's a, It's a tough one, isn't it? It really is, because Kieran Cavanagh's pick. You know, especially got three points in the final. So he would have finished with say Kieran Cavanagh finished with a tally of one fifteen. I think throughout the yeah. championship, and Jay Dyla finished with six eight. So. Yeah, it's not, like I'm not just saying it should come down to that only either. Like it's not the only thing it should come down to. But. Uh, well, look. I think I, I'm going to give it to Jake Dyla. Right. Um, yeah, just for scoring maybe scoring power and, and maybe impact for a team if you get me, do you know what I mean? He got he got I know he got a couple against the uh, name Breed and that, but uh he he what do you call it, he you know, he he got him against his all as I say, so look I, I, I just give him the nod. Yeah, fair enough. So just to recap on it then, Brian Tracy Sean Joyce, Dion Wall, Paul Dyle, Dwayne Kavanagh, Kevin McDonald, Jack Kavanagh, Figure for Patrick, James Dyle, Mouse Kavanagh, John Nolan, Dean Tobin, Chris Nolan, Craig Dyle, Jake Dyle. Horror of the year, Kevin McDonald. Yeah, Kevin McDonald. Well, yeah. well done, well done, Kevin. Fantastic uh, throughout the year. Transformed Rangers, supposedly we back to six. As they didn't report, we were back to three, but the influence that Kevin just had in, in picking out passes and stuff. And wherever you play him, he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Man of the match on Sunday's final, then. You see, you won't give that up, will you? No. <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know. Uh, time to walk away, then. <laughs> John um, Nolan, for me. What, what do you think? I'm not sure. Either, either the two of them, like, I think, you know, yeah, John... What's that? I was going to that house, but that's... That, look, it's... There's no right or wrong answer. Well, there isn't, there isn't, but sure, like, scores always get more. Kudos. Kudos, yeah, like, 1 5 in the county final. Right, uh, Jan, or John kept James Dyle relatively quiet. James Dyle scored, like we were saying before, they were saying Sam Owens needed a couple, or Mullins Rennes needed two goals. And need to keep James Dyle under three points at the can and most under 10, and the better it all then. You know, um, sure, you know, I think it's county, sure, it is what it is, I suppose, but, um, yeah, like, like Chris, he's even hit a wide in the game, and we hit one, I think, did he? He hit a horrendous one in the first half that he was disgusted with. Um, yeah. when I say horrendous now, if I did fucking all day, I would probably wouldn't put it over the bar, but by his standards, that's why, was that the one in his left hand side? He yeah, struck out, he yeah. Struck, yeah. Exactly, it would have taken us two pucks to get to the goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. He, he was absolutely. And the same with Joe. Remember the, I brought RTO after the Ked Anshon a couple of years ago on the Joe McDonough. We're trying to decide the field in the, the day. Anshon had the two goals and injured him to level it. And I brought him to get to you and you fixed it. There's only a turkey, like. It's a freaking. You couldn't hook him, like. It's like a wooden spoon, like. How would you get the strength into it? He must have wrists, like. must be unreal, like. You know, they're. But he's striking. He's striking, isn't it? I just and I said it to Kevin, and I remarked to you, Kevin, remember that wide actually he did strike off his left hand side. He never flinched, never turned to his right hand side. Makes a big, you might say, ah, that's a given. He's a county hurler, it's a given. It's not always a given. Like he's, he's confident enough to strike a ball 70 yards off his, what we call his weaker side. There are the differences between the top class forward getting turned or not getting turned or being confident, you know, to push him onto one side or the other. You know, he's a phenomenal striker, the ball. I, I look probably. Look, like you said, it was going to one of them and probably the scores do carry the kudos and that's that's the reality. We see it in all sports, you know, the, the forward generally gets it. be a word about it down there. Remember two years on, yeah, when in the first half and after hitting 12 points in play. From, mm. I think John, John didn't give Chris the, the ball for a goal. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the same mantelpiece, aren't you? It won't matter. Um, so that's the story, guys. Uh, is there any other last thoughts? I have one thing I, I just want to say before we finish up. But have you any last thoughts there? All good? No, no, it's a good, good, it's good. Uh, it was a great festival of hurling at the weekend. We spoke about the other, the other finals, and uh, it was nice to see. I think we had four, yeah, we had four, four different winners. So there's four, four clubs happy at least, anyway. And uh, there was a lot, like while maybe the senior championship didn't set the world alight. There was other positives from a hurling point of view um, from adult grade around, you know, in terms of games played and teams fielded and so on. So, look, we take them things. Yeah. Next, next Monday night in there. That's what you're going to say. But, uh, um, you know, it's a great night. We were up at a couple of years above there in Newbridge and it's a cracking night. And look, it definitely has more relevance around the area, you know, with, with poor Ocean Kelly. Um that's where Last we want to finish. Yeah. So that's that's a big event next Monday evening. Sure is, Stevie. Absolutely. And I know we spoke we spoke about Oshin the other day during our commentary, but what we didn't get the opportunity to do because it hadn't happened at the time was the way Tommy Murphy actually delivered that before throwing the other day. I was beside Kevin and like it was just and Tommy you know, he told me last week Ocean wasn't great, you know, and I didn't think you know, it was I didn't think it was that imminent, but um he gave me a print off of what he, what he actually, what he actually said, like in the whole place and all. Like you're uh, uh, waiting for a minute silence and there's a few words about someone, but like you could be talking still about the chap, you know. And like the first of Tommy, his own club man, you know, Derry O'Toole said it there on Twitter, you know, just you couldn't, you know, if he, you know, Tommy's around the block, but you know, had to be tough on him too, like you know, if he talking about something like that. Like I, I, we always go back to Pat Foley here. Pat was killed; he was 23 years of age. There's an art in the an article in the book about the cups, the three cups. He was he's intermediate cup is called after him, and you know I can still remember as clear as day the day he was killed. He was eight years of age, different circumstances, cancer and road road collision, you know, different, but still it's a it's an empty chair at the table. Mm-hmm. The following couple of days and forevermore, and that's you know unfortunately that's the way it is. Yeah, Tommy was was outstanding. You could you could uh, I said you could hear a pin drop. You feel the shiver down the spine. It was it was just, yeah, it was emotional stuff for all all the wrong reasons. So again, as we finish up, we just want to offer our condolences and deepest sympathies to the, the Kelly family as we finish up the coverage here of the championship and a reminder of 
the important things in life, which is uh, which is friends and family at the end of the day. And on that note, Joe and Stevie, thanks a million. Really appreciate your contributions, and we'll chat to you again soon. All right, thank you. Hey, lads. Take care. Bye. The left wing backs coverage of the Carlo Hurling Championships for 2023 is brought to you in association with Talbot Fitness, Brendan Cabinet Furniture, Corcoran Precast Tanks, Milano's Takeaway Bidenstown, Connolly's Topline Hardware, PFT Travel, Ray Whelan Limited, Earth Spas and the Arboretum Lachlan Bridge.